What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to the NFC and AFC Championship Game episode of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2022 NFL football season. Obviously, we're coming off the heels of a very exciting divisional round where we saw... You know, we saw some uh, uh, one heavy favorite absolutely dominate. We saw a couple of upset picks, a couple of upsets come through. And look, it was just a fun week of football. And obviously, we've got a pair of excellent conference championship games coming up. In the AFC, we've got the rematch of last year's AFC title game, the Chiefs playing host to the Bengals from Cincinnati. And on the NFC side of things, we have the Philadelphia Eagles playing host to the San Francisco 49ers. I think most people would probably concede that these are the top four teams left in football. Maybe some Bills fans might not be appreciative of that. There may be some other teams that feel like they can kind of slide in and try to make that claim as well. But I think genuinely probably the top four teams in football are the four teams that are remaining uh, in these playoffs. So how did I do in the divisional round? I did all right. I went seven and five across all of my picks that I made on this show last week. That includes going three and one straight up. My one misstep was taking the New York Giants to upset the Philadelphia Eagles. And oh boy, did that ever not happen. The Eagles roundly trounced uh, the Giants. What was it? 38 to seven, I think it was. They ran for some ridiculous amount of yardage on the ground. Like it was crazy the amount that they ran on the Giants. The Giants had no answer for the run game whatsoever. I think they attempted like 44 rushes as well. So they just, they absolutely dominated on the ground. Three and one straight up for me. Also three and one against the spread because I did take the Giants plus the seven and a half points. Obviously that did not play out. They lost by 31. Other than that, I got all the rest of the spread picks correct as well. I did give a lot of it back on the totals. I only went one and three, uh, getting the under in the Chiefs game and uh, missing out on the other three overs. So as much as the overs came to play, on Super Wildcard Weekend, the defenses were what controlled the divisional round. All four of those games go under. Andrew Warren in the chat saying he went 4-0 both against the spread and straight up last week. Andrew, that's incredible, my guy. That is great. That is awesome stuff. There were a number of people who got all four of the games correct uh, straight up in the pool, which we'll talk about here in a second. But to go 4-0 straight up and go 4-0 against the spread... That's some awesome stuff, man. That's you should you should be commended for that. That's pretty cool. So going seven and five last week across all the picks means I'm 16, 13, and one so far on the playoffs. So we're a little over 500. There's obviously uh, what do we have? We got six. We got nine picks to go overall with just three games remaining in the NFL this year. So there's there's still room to improve vastly and still room to give it all back. Uh, by the way, for comic book fans, I don't know if you happen to notice, uh, well, you'll certainly be able to see it on the stream here, but the, the shirt that I'm wearing for comic book fans is a, a cascade of notable Batman villains. So we're looking at like, you know, the Joker and Penguin and Bane and all that stuff. So it's a bunch of Batman villains on my t-shirt um, this week, which is really funny because I've been engaging with a number of people uh, talking about villainy in uh, in NFL quarterback terms. And it's just been one embarrassing conversation after the other. We will move on from that. If you want more context on that, go look at my Twitter. <laughs> 
All right, taking a peek at the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool for season 11 of this show. I did move up a pair of spots from last week. I'm now in eighth place out of 37. 1,551 confidence points on the season. It's a clip of just over 67.5%. And that was after bringing in 36 of 40 points last week. The only game that I missed was the game that I put the least amount of points on, which was four. So I did bring in 90% of the points that were available to bring in last week. I won't sneeze at that at all. We had a five-way tie in the divisional round. Five teams going 4-0, bringing in all 40 of the available confidence points. That, of course, is a clip of 100%, and you can't possibly do any better. So shout out to those five teams. And among those five teams were our reigning defending overall leader, who I got corrected on how to properly pronounce their name. So, I believe I'm going to get it right this time. Anthony Simeone, I believe is, I'm, I'm at least closer. I've been calling, I've been saying Anthony Simone for the longest time. But I believe it's Anthony Simeone. And I'm sure he's going to get me in the, the, he got me in the comments last week. Which is good, because I actually like to be corrected on stuff like that. If I'm particular about anything, it's about getting people's names right. I hate getting people's names wrong. I really, really dislike it. So I'm glad that he kind of came and corrected me on that. I think I got it right this time. Anthony, let me know in the comments below if I still screwed it up. So Anthony's got 1,626 confidence points. It's just under 71%. And if we pull up the pick'em pool, let's see. We have uh, 16.8. We got 24 and I believe six. So I think we've only got like 40 points left to collect this season, which means, unfortunately, I'm actually eliminated. But I believe there are uh, now actually only Ted, only Teddy Ted, who's in second place right now. Only Ted can catch Anthony. So it's a two horse race now in the pick and pool. It's either going to be Anthony or Ted might be able to come up from behind and steal this win. But Anthony kind of has to go over, I think, for that to happen. It's still possible. Anything can happen. Uh, Andrew Warren in the chat. Spider-Man's better than Batman. Ow. I don't know, sir. Uh, Spider-Man better than Batman? Really? I don't know. I got, look, I got nothing but love for Spider-Man. This is just a comic book show now. No, I, I got nothing but love for Spider-Man, but that, that might be a, a bridge too far. My friend and I had a crazy feud for that for years. That's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that sometime because that, that's an interesting perspective. So want to let you know, like always, if you go to the description of this live stream of the VOD of the podcast episode, no matter how you interact with this show, you can find all of my results from last week, all my straight up against the spread and over under plays for the AFC and NFC championship games. You can find information on joining the Bridgewater's finest pick and pool. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube prognosticators Facebook page, and you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at NerdTees. So nerdtees.ca, of course, is where you need to go for dozens and dozens of incredible gift ideas, incredible loose leaf tea blends, incredible coffee blends, which they've just gotten into this past year. Today's blend is golden apple cinnamon. Again, one of my longtime stalwarts. But again, you can find incredible options. Doesn't matter what they are. Nerdtees.ca. And when you go to nerdtees.ca, you're going to want to use my promo code, which is BWFinest. That's going to save you 15% 
20% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over a hundred bucks. And if you're one of my American viewers, you're going to get a great conversion rate on the US dollar as well. Once again, golden apple cinnamon, but there are just a bunch of incredible options for you. Go to nerdtees.ca, use promo code BWFINEST at checkout, save your 15%, get your free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtees.ca. Before I get into previewing the games, what I wanted to talk about, and I said this right at the beginning of the stream, I don't know that anybody was quite in here yet, I'd like to kind of take a peek into the future a little bit. And obviously what we've got coming up in the immediate future in the next couple of months is the NFL draft. So what I want to do is I want to take a peek at uh, some of the content that I have coming up, which is going to be about the NFL draft, a bunch of mock drafts. It is hashtag mock draft season for the NFL draft for 2023. And I wanted to take a look at the players that I think are absolute slam dunk picks to go in the first round of the NFL draft. So I'm going to name drop those players now. And that's kind of a little tease, a little thing to look forward to as we move ahead to my first mock draft, which will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. But these are players that as we sit right now, I believe are 100% slam dunk players to be taken in the first round. Now, remember the first round only has 31 picks this year because Miami forfeited their pick due to the whole Tom Brady tampering sit, uh, situation that was going on there for a little bit. So there's only 31 picks in the first round. But among those 31 picks, here are the players that I believe are absolute slam dunks to go in the first round. And we're going to start right at the top there. Uh, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young, no surprise there. Uh, Alabama edge rusher Will Anderson Jr. Uh, Georgia defensive uh, interior Jalen Carter. Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. Clemson edge rusher Miles Murphy. Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Of course, that's one that I'm kind of iffy on personally, just because I think after the first two quarterbacks, I think it's real touch and go whether you have like an actual guy there or you have more of a, a project. You know what I mean? Northwestern offensive tackle Peter Skaronsky. Texas Tech edge rusher Tyree Wilson. Ohio State offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer, and that's going to be one of the more interesting names for me to watch on draft night. That's a name who could certainly slip into the second round, but personally, if I got a pick there in the first round, I'm even kind of 50-50 on my tight end position. I'm really honing in on Michael Mayer, head and shoulders, the best tight end in the draft. Texas running back Bijan Robinson, USC wide receiver Jordan Addison, Clemson defensive interior Brian Brisey, or Brzee. Uh, Oregon cornerback Christian Gonzalez. TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston. Uh, Cam Smith, cornerback for South Carolina. Brian Branch, safety from Alabama. Penn State corner Joey Porter Jr. Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith Najigba. A pair of Georgia players here. We got cornerback uh, Keely Ringo and offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Texas A&M safety Antonio Johnson. Florida interior offensive lineman Osiris Torrance. And Oklahoma offensive tackle Anton Harrison. So there are 24 names 
who I believe, genuinely believe, are like slam dunk first round picks. I think all of those names, as we sit right now, I think all of those names get called on the first night of the 2023 NFL draft. That could, of course, change as we get closer to draft day. But as I sit right now, I genuinely believe that all of those players get their names called on the first night of the draft. Uh, Andrew Warren, I can't wait for the comic book chat. Right on. That'll be a a Bridgewater's finest side channel, a comic book channel. Uh, Andrew Warren also says, my Patriots round one, 14th overall pick. He wants Broderick Jones from Georgia at 14. Oh yeah. Um, it might be a slight reach, but not crazy. I mean, in terms of tackles, he's probably the third best tackle in the draft. I think he's pretty darn close, and I wouldn't be surprised if the first two go ahead of that. So that wouldn't shock. That wouldn't shock be a shock to me at all. So that might be a savvy little pick there, Andrew. You might be on the money. Draft talk out of the way. That's a little sneak peek, of course. Going to be doing more draft content as we get closer to the draft itself. Let's talk about these games. And we are going to start on the NFC side of things. The San Francisco 49ers will travel to Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles, the one seed in the NFC with a super impressive 38-7 win last week against a division rival in New York. Again, I took the Giants to win that game. I'll eat some crow and some humble pie on that one because the Giants looked like they weren't even ready to play. Like, it was crazy the way the Eagles played in that game. And, like, they put up all those points. They only generated one turnover off of the Giants. So... It's not like they the defense dominated them in that fashion, but I mean in most all other fashions like they just they shut the whole game down and then their run game just completely took over. The Eagles running to the tune of 268 yards rushing in that game last week against the Giants, absolutely dominant. The San Francisco 49ers with a plus three turnover ratio so far in these playoffs, the best of any team remaining in this postseason, obviously coming off of their victory against the Dallas Cowboys uh, last week, which was of course fueled by that. I don't even know what in the world that last play was by the Dallas Cowboys. That was like, that was just embarrassing. Like that was, it was embarrassing, right? Like I put it on Twitter that like, that's such a Mike McCarthy way for a game to end. And I realized Mike McCarthy, and I put this on Twitter too, I realized he's not the play caller. He's not the play caller. Kellen Moore is. But I just looked at that and I was just like, no other coach in the NFL could have their team do that in a playoff game. Like that's that's only a Mike, like hashtag just Mike McCarthy things. Like it just feels like that's something that only a Mike McCarthy team would even possibly think to do. Uh, by, by the way, I, I expect Kellen Moore will be fired at some point in this offseason. I don't think they can let him stick around after losing that game in that fashion. Not that that was the singular play that cost him the game, but my goodness, like that was just, that was crazy. So the Eagles come into this game as two and a half point favorites. We've got a total of 46 as it sits right now. Uh, The Eagles as favorites at home this year, eight and two straight up. This is including playoffs. So they've obviously really gotten the job done at a high level as favorites at home, eight and two straight up, seven and three against the spread in those games as well. They're also six and four to the over. So 
the scores kind of peaked up a little bit when the Eagles were favorites at home. The Niners were dogs on the road only one time this year. They did win that game straight up. Obviously, they were also 1-0 against the spread. That game did go over. So I think of anything here, we're probably going to lean on the total there to kind of peek ahead to... Um, to the picks. This is a battle of the top two total offenses so far in these playoffs. The Eagles are number one. Of course, they've only played one game. The Niners are number two based off of two games. Both of them are generating over 400 yards of total offense on average per game. The Eagles put up 416 in their one game. I believe the Niners are like 406, 408, somewhere in that area. And again, like that that Eagles performance was absolutely fueled by putting up 268 yards rushing. That's really interesting this week because so far in this postseason, the Niners are only giving up 90 yards per game to their two opposing teams. And when you really, when you think about like who that was, so obviously wildcard weekend, it was to Seattle. And I mean, Seattle boasts a guy that probably has a great case for winning offensive rookie of the year in, uh, in Ken Walker. He was, he had an, an excellent season was easily like the fantasy rookie running back of the year. No question about it. He had an excellent season, ran the ball very well most of the year. So the Niners were able to mostly keep him in check. He did score a touchdown, but they mostly kept him in check. And then last week against the combination of Zeke and Tony Pollard, they were very good in that game as well. They shut down both of those guys in the run game. So they're only averaging giving up 90 yards on the ground in the playoffs so far. That's the best mark of any remaining team. As with most games, I think the team that wins up front, the team that wins at the line of scrimmage is going to go a long way to winning the actual football game. If you look at this season, the Philadelphia Eagles registered 70 quarterback sacks this year, easily led the entire NFL. They were the only team to crack 60, much less to crack 70, and their O-line gave up 44 sacks on the season as well. Wasn't uh, the best in the league, but I mean, it was far from the worst. So their offensive line did a good job, and man, their D-line generated a lot of sacks this year. The Niners were no slouches. They registered 44 sacks on the season and their offensive line only gave up 31. So both of these teams certainly in the positive when it comes to that statistic. But I really think whoever wins the offensive line, defensive line, whoever wins the line of scrimmage, whoever wins in the trenches is going to go a really long way to winning this football game. Obviously, the one of the biggest storylines heading into this game is, I mean, look, we've been talking about Brock Purdy for weeks and weeks and weeks, just sort of the NFL conversation as a whole has talked so much about Brock Purdy. I did not think Brock Purdy looked particularly good last week. I think it was the Niners run game that really propelled them to that win. And their, obviously their ability to prevent the same on the other side. Uh, Brock Purdy was about 65% on his passes, which looked absolutely nothing wrong with that. Certainly at the NFL level, we're still talking about an NFL quarterback here. He barely got over 200 yards and granted that's against a good Cowboys secondary. I believe the Cowboys secondary was top eight this season. So, I mean, this is against a good secondary, but he barely got over 200 yards, did not throw for a touchdown. That's not to say that he 
held the team back because I don't think he did that either. I think this is such a reflection, such a positive reflection on the Kyle Shanahan system that he can step in and it feels like the offense hasn't missed a beat. And genuinely they haven't, they're still scoring their points. They're still moving the football, but I think that's really that credit to that Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell tandem at running back, which I mean, is there a better tandem of one, two running backs in the entire league? I, I really like these folks. Like, I mean, I really like that Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon tandem of running backs. But when you look at like, CMC and Elijah Mitchell, like Elijah Mitchell is a one on a ton of teams on a lot of teams is Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, a one. So that tandem is deadly and incredible. Then you got Kyle use in there as well. You got Debo Samuel running the ball. Like it's the way that offense is put together and the way it's predicated on the ground game. Andrew puts it in the chat and this is absolutely true. He says, this is a real good test for Brock Purdy this week. Look, the Eagles were the, are probably the best secondary in football. And I'm not feeling real confident about that word. Probably like, I genuinely think this Eagles secondary is probably the best in football. And look, you're, you're stepping up in competition when you only put up 200 some yards. Yes. You protected the ball. You didn't throw an interception, but you didn't throw a touchdown either. So to say that this is a good test for him is a, a big understatement. Like this is the test of all tests. And I don't know how much more magic Brock Purdy possibly has in him in a, a moment this big. Like this is, this is the doorstep of the Super Bowl, right? Like you're, you're right there and you're looking up at the door and you're saying like behind that door is, is a shot at the Super Bowl. So this is a massive moment. This is massive pressure. It will be really interesting to see how Brock Purdy holds up to this. And boy, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, now Jalen Hurts, I didn't think was crazy impressive in the game against the Giants either, but he didn't have to be. When your run game is that good, like, yes, he threw a pair of touchdowns, but I think he was only like two out of three in terms of percentage and was only 200 some yards, but the run game was so good. It's interesting. The results in the last game were kind of a mirror in this way. Like the quarterback didn't have to be sensational statistically anyway, in order to win a game. Now, obviously they won those two games under very different conditions. <sighs> it's one of those games that I don't know. I don't know if the statistics tell the whole story. And I don't know if the team that is statistically superior is the team that's going to wind up winning the game. I do think whatever team wins at the line of scrimmage is probably going to win the game. In which case, it's probably kind of silly of me to not go with the team that generated 70 sacks on the season. Call it a gut play. I think I'm going to go with the 49ers. I think Kyle Shanahan as a coach is going to find ways to scheme around what the Eagles do exceptionally well on defense. And I don't know that the Niners defense is schemable. Like I do, 
there's something about that Niners defense and maybe I'm underrating, maybe I'm even underrating the Eagles defense. I mean, I just called their secondary the best secondary in football. I don't think Brock Purdy has to be sensational for them to win this game. I do think Jalen Hurts has to be sensational for the Eagles to win this game because the Eagles are not going to be able to run on the Niners the way they ran on the Giants. It's just not going to happen. In a case like that, I think Jalen Hurts has to be special. He has to back up his coach's very lofty and kind of silly comparison of, uh, oh, it's uh, sometimes it feels like having Michael Jordan out there. Well, it might have to against a Niners team this good. I don't know. I just, I just feel the Niners in this spot. I'm going to grab the upset here, and I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers on the road in Philadelphia to get the win over the Eagles. I have the Niners going to the Super Bowl. So given that that's the case, I think we're going to go ahead, obviously, and grab the points there. We're going to grab plus 2.5 on the San Francisco 49ers in this game, obviously with the Eagles as a two and a half point favorite. And on that total of 46, I know I did kind of just say it was the defense that um, I think will wind up winning the day. And, and I do still believe that, but such a beatable number at 46, I think I have to go over on it. It's a really good number, but I think I've got to go over on that just by a couple of points. Last scoring play of the game, I think takes this thing over. So let's go over 46 points in San Francisco, Philadelphia. Let's go Niners 27, Eagles 21. I do think the Eagles still find the end zone a few times in this game. Uh, who knows, maybe even a pick six if Brock Purdy's, you know, struggling a little bit, maybe early on in the game. But uh, I, I just still feel like there's something truly special about this Niners team. So we're going to go ahead, grab the Niners to win the game, take the Niners with the points, and give me the over. Uh, Andrew in the chat, a uh, really good test for Brock Purdy, of course. If that's the case for the 49ers, don't bet Kyle Shanahan in the Super Bowl. So, since I've got the Niners winning on the NFC side, I don't know, somehow it feels wrong. It feels wrong to keep this hat on when I'm taking the Niners uh, to go to the Super Bowl. So, we're going to go ahead and take that off. Also, I'm a sweaty boy. All right. So, since I've got the Niners going to the Super Bowl on the NFC side of things, what about the AFC? Let's take a look at that rematch AFC title game, the Cincinnati Bengals in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. So the Cincinnati Bengals going to be coming into this game on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Always something that you have to keep in mind. They were on the road last week in Buffalo. They got a big win, 27-10, to 10, over a very good Buffalo Bills team that just seemed to get caught up in all of their own bad habits in that game. And you can't do that against a team as good as the Bengals. And again, we got to start talking about the Cincinnati Bengals the way we've talked about the Buffalo Bills all year, the way we've talked about the Eagles all year, the way we've talked about the Cowboys all year, maybe even the way we've talked about the Niners all year. We have to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals like one of the best teams in football because it's what they are. Two straight AFC title games, they have a chance to go to two straight Super Bowls. This is a burgeoning and developing dynasty here, despite the obvious deficiencies, which right now are that offensive line. That offensive line is very, very, very banged up. They were banged up going into the game last week. They survived it. They're banged up coming into the game this week. It's a tougher test, let's be perfectly honest. Obviously, we know what that offense can do. The, the 
Chiefs pass rush has been very, very good this season. So that is going to be a much more significant test for that O-line for Cincinnati. Both of these teams come into this game with a plus two turnover ratio. So far in the playoffs, Kansas City was plus two in their one game. The Bengals are plus two over their two games. Uh, as a home dog, which is what the Chiefs are coming into this game, the Chiefs are taking two and a half points at home against Cincinnati. I'm guessing that's due in part to the uncertainty around the health of Patrick Mahomes. It also has to take into account that Joe Burrow has beaten this Chiefs team, what is it, three, three games in a row? Joe Burrow and the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs, so... Vegas taking that into account, are they overcompensating? I guess it remains to be seen. But the Chiefs are taking two and a half points here at home. Total is 46 and a half. So they're just basically saying the total for these two games is exactly the same. The Chiefs were a home dog one time this season. They did not win that game. They also did not cover against the spread, and the game stayed under on the points. So the offense definitely struggling in that game. Obviously, they did not come out on the happy side of things. The Bengals as road favorites, which is what they are coming into this game, favored by two and a half points. As road favorites, five and two straight up and five and two against the spread this season, they were three, three and one to the over against the total. So that was kind of a coin flip, but very strong results for the Bengals as favorites on the road, which they were plenty this season, seven times. The Chiefs allowed 144 yards rushing to the Jags uh, last week. Of course, most of that coming to Travis Etienne, but Jamichael Hasty got into the into that as well. Trevor Lawrence did some stuff with his legs. That's a lot of yards rushing to give up in that game. Now, they, they kind of made up for that by the fact that they ran also for exactly 144 yards. So those two teams were right even on the money in terms of total rush offense, which was kind of interesting. But yeah, gave up 144 yards rushing, and I would argue that they're playing against a better running back. Not necessarily a better offensive line, at least not right now, but a better running back this week. Like, I would take Joe Mixon as an upgrade on Travis Etienne. It's not massive, but I do think Joe Mixon's a better back. So, the fact that they gave up 144 yards rushing to the Jags, I don't think exactly bodes well for them uh, in this game. And as much as I think with the previous game, the stats don't necessarily tell the story, that feels like it's been the Bengals' whole season. Look, statistically, they've been good, but not great. Not like top four team in the NFL great. The stats simply don't say that. They don't say that the Bengals should be where they are right now. But that's where the intangibles come in. That's where the swagger of Joe Burrow comes in. That's where the, the things that you can't measure about this team start to really show themselves. And in important moments, in important games, they rise, they levitate their games to those challenges. And that's just what the Bengals have done for the last like two years. And it still feels like nobody's really talking about them as an elite team. Like, what was it in the offseason heading into this year? It's like, yeah, the Bengals made that miracle run to the Super Bowl, and that's very cool. It's not like they're going to do it again. 
And here they are again in the AFC title game. So there's just those intangibles with the Cincinnati Bengals team that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. And in these playoffs, they also don't show up in the stat sheet. You would have thought they would have statistically dominated a team like Baltimore without Lamar Jackson. They didn't do that. They still won the game. Even last week, a, a dominant score, but statistically still didn't feel like utter domination. I don't think the numbers tell the story. A big question that you have to ask in this game is what is the percentage, like what percentage is Patrick Mahomes at? We know he's going to play. There's no, there's no, anybody that's trying to uh, say, hey, read this article that I wrote about whether or not Patrick Mahomes is going to play this week is trying to clickbait you like Patrick Mahomes is playing this week there's no there's definitely no questioning that but what percentage is he at I would say he's one of the better pocket passing quarterbacks in the NFL but he isn't necessarily that isn't necessarily where he's at his best he's at his best when he can break the pocket he is the singular most accurate outside the pocket passer maybe I've ever seen in the NFL like on the run I don't there's Patrick Mahomes and there's everybody else he's just incredible at what percentage is he in those situations because if he runs into one or two of those situations and isn't at his best this is an opportunistic ball hawking defense for the Bengals does he throw a pick or two does that change the complexion of this game entirely that's the kinds of questions that you have to ask when you're talking about a very mobile quarterback dealing with an ankle injury. Like this is the one kind of injury that you don't want to see a player like Patrick Mahomes have. So it's worth asking the question, what percentage is he going to be at? If they keep him in the pocket, he's still one of the absolute best pocket passing quarterbacks in the NFL. He is by no means not dangerous from inside the pocket. He is very dangerous from inside the pocket, but if they can limit the amount that he gets out of the pocket, I think it's to the Bengals benefit. And we talked about winning the line of scrimmage. Boy, does it ever come into play in this game because you're looking at a Kansas city chiefs team that generated 55 sacks on the season. They were the number two sack generating team in the NFL. And you have a Bengals squad that didn't generate a lot of sacks this year. They only generated 30 and they gave up 44 of the four teams remaining. They're the only team that has a negative differential in terms of sacks, sacks generated to sacks taken. So they generated 30. They gave up 44. Once again, the chiefs generated 55 only gave up 26. Now that's obviously a, a virtue of their, highly mobile fast quarterback that's an un, that's kind of understandable that you wouldn't give up a ton of sacks but the fact that they generated that many 55 again the second highest mark in the league this year that chiefs pass rush is dangerous and it is the probably has to be the biggest test i think that this bengals o-line has faced during this winning streak which again it's worth pointing out this Bengals team has not lost since Halloween. Like this Bengals team is on a wild heater right now, but it's earned because they've, they've earned it through their play. They are that team. Joe Burrow is that guy. I think this is the best possible AFC championship game that could be fielded. Uh, Andrew in the chat says Jacksonville shouldn't complain as well as they played this season. Uh, they were a fun team to watch. They were, they were, I like watching that offense certainly in the back half of the season and in these playoffs. 
I like watching the offense a lot. I, I made the point that they run too much play action, and I think that's true. But it's a fun offense to watch. I can't wait to see how that offense develops through the offseason. I can't wait to see how they look next year. Uh, the Jags winning that division and going back to the playoffs next year would not surprise me at all. All right. As far as a prediction goes, the Chiefs, this is their fifth straight hosting of the AFC Championship game. Whether they win Super Bowls or don't, this is the new dynasty in the AFC. People, people are too gatekeepy about that term, by the way. People seem to think that if you're not the Patriots winning, you know, seven championships in whatever that time, that time frame was, that somehow you're not a dynasty. And I don't agree with that necessarily. Um, like this is the new dynasty in the AFC. The Chiefs deserve to be the team by which all other AFC teams are measured. If you can't stand up to the Chiefs, you're not one of the elite teams in the AFC. The Bengals are an elite team in the AFC. They've stood up to the Chiefs. I guess it's it's three straight times. They've beaten them three straight times. This Bengals team is a force to be reckoned with in this game. It's kind of why Vegas has them as two and a half point favorites. I still think it's a little weird that they're two and a half point favorites, but it's why they're two and a half point favorites. Once again, call it another gut feeling, I guess. In the same way that I think there's something about this Niners team, very obviously there's something about this Bengals team. And again, it's something that I don't necessarily think always shows up in the stat lines. And obviously it doesn't because you can, you can look at the stats in the playoffs and if you go just by the stats, you're like, well, I mean, there's no way that Kansas City doesn't win this game because the stats, all of basically all of the stats lean Kansas City's way. I'm going to take the Bengals. I think the Bengals are special. I think they are truly, truly a special football team. The Chiefs are as well. But I think Cincinnati's got some unfinished business in the Super Bowl, and I think they go back to it this year. So I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals on the road in Kansas City to beat the Chiefs yet again. Joe Burrow, for the second straight year, goes back to the Super Bowl. So with the Bengals favored by two and a half points, uh, I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. I'm going to go ahead and lay the minus 2.5 uh, on Cincinnati. Total in the game at 46 and a half. Once again, it's just too... Um, it's just too tempting. I'm going to bite on that. I'm going to go over on this one again. We know what these offenses are capable of. Again, this this incredible 1-2-3 punch that the Bengals have at wide receiver in Chase, Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Like a Tyler Boyd, as the number three on this team, could potentially be like a 1-A, 1-B on a number of teams in the NFL. He's the th number three receiver on this team. It's crazy. It's kind of scary, actually. That offense is so good, and Burrow gets the ball out so fast that I, th I think we're going to see an over in this one. And again, this is like the Cincinnati-Buffalo game. It's two quarterbacks that have that refuse-to-lose mentality where they're going to go out and, okay, what is there, four minutes left in the game? Okay, touchdown drive. And they're going to go do it. So I think trying to keep those two teams under 46 and a half, I just don't think it's going to happen. So give me the over there 
over 46 and a half points in Cincinnati, Kansas City. Let's grab uh, Bengals 27, Chiefs 24. So let's go Bengals win, Bengals cover the minus two and a half, and give me the over on the 46 and a half points. So there is my predicted matchup for Super Bowl 57. I've got the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals meeting in Super Bowl 57. I've got the Niners by a score of, uh, what did I say, 27-21, I believe, winning that game. So uh, give me the Niners plus the two and a half, and give me the over on the 46. And then I've got Cincinnati 27, Kansas City 24. So give me the Bengals to win, give me the Bengals to cover minus two and a half, and give me the over on the 46 and a half point total. Let's take a peek here in the chat. Uh, Cincinnati are a real spook to the opposing team since Halloween. Exactly. Like this Bengals team is on such a heater, man. And it doesn't matter who's in front of them. They've gotten the job done. If the Niners beat the Eagles, I will wear my, I love breakfast shirt for my Super Bowl pick video. Sounds good, man. That's it. Those are the picks. That's who I think is going to win the AFC and NFC championship. That's who I think the predicted uh, Super Bowl matchup is going to be. What is your Super Bowl 57 matchup? Who do you think is going to be going to Super Bowl 57 to compete for one of the richest prizes in all of professional sports? Let me know that in the comment section below. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tease. Thank you so much for taking the time to check out the show. If you're here live or if you're watching on the VOD, if you listen into the podcast, however you get this show, thank you so much for taking the time to listen, interact, and come along on this journey with me. And we will see you again next week for the Super Bowl 57 episode. I cannot wait.